Pass Around the Smile is like your go-to friend, the one that lifts you up and backs you to the end. She's there to guide and inspire, challenge and teach, and remind you that your best self isn't out of reach. Self-development, manifestation, self-love and more, it's time to trust the process more than ever before. Welcome to Pass Around the Smile, the podcast. I'm your host, Cleo Massey, and I am so glad you're here. Let the magic begin. I am so excited about today's guest. We have Natasha Weber, who goes by Astro Tash, and she is an incredible astrologist who I just know my past around the smile community are going to love. So a little bit about Tash. Natasha has always been fascinated with the bridge between mathematics and mysticism, which is why her down-to-earth approach to cosmic guidance has attracted the attention of so many. Natasha is the host of Astrology Coach podcast for iHeartRadio, resident astrologer for news.com.au and horoscope columnist for Mamma Mia. She is also a regular guest on the night show with Mitch Turi each Monday and has been featured on so many different TV shows, radio stations, publications and podcasts. Natasha defines astrology as a snapshot of the heavens at the moment of birth. Natasha aims to empower people across the globe to know that they are more than just their star sign. With authentic guidance and actionable readings evoked from a unique combination of sun sign columns and ancient astrological wisdom, Natasha's work is globally recognized and has been featured in Body and Soul, Harper's Bazaar, Elle, Marie Claire and Herald Sun as well as so many others. I can't wait for you to hear what this magical goddess has to say so let's get into it. Hello Tash, welcome to the Pass Around the Smile podcast. I am, oh my gosh, just so honored to have you on. Oh, thank you so much, beautiful Cleo. I mean, we've known each other for so, so long, so I'm just excited to see your beautiful face. I know, I know. Well, that's the thing. We actually haven't like spoken face to face before, but like we said before we were actually on air is that, yeah, we feel like we know each other. Maybe it's just written in the stars. (laughs) I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. I need to look at your chart, really. Oh, yes. Oh, (laughs) my gosh. I... I just know my past around the smile community are just going to absolutely adore this chat. And my friend Michelle was actually the one that said, please get an astrologist on because Michelle, like a lot of my community, they're interested in astrology because they're manifestors, you know, they love the power of the mind and positivity and meditation and connection and all of that stuff, but they don't necessarily know too much about astrology, which is the same as me. So this is very exciting. Well, astrology can really be used as a great tool to assist in manifestation and, um, you know, and spiritual awareness and self-discovery. So I'm really hoping that this chat's going to be valuable to your listeners too. Oh my God, it will be. And that's exactly like exactly what you just said just then is what Pass Around the Smile is all about. So it's just going to be so nice to have more of an awareness of how astrology can help us with that. So why don't we start at the very beginning and can you actually maybe let us know what what even is astrology and how does it affect us humans down here on earth? Yes, well, exactly. I mean, astrology is basically the study of the planets in their respective zodiac signs, the connections they're all making up there in the cosmos, and how that affects mankind, us humans down here on earth. <laughs> um, and then, of course, astrologers use a birth chart 
to um, to learn about the astrological movements and how they are affecting us. So it really centers around that birth chart. And this is what the greatest minds of our time, like Hippocrates, Socrates, Plato, um, they all were astrologers and they studied the stars, obviously with the naked eye. And when the telescope was invented, then we studied more planets because we knew about them and so created this birth chart, which is basically like a snapshot of the heavens at an exact moment in time and space. So oh. a birth chart is calculated according to a time, a date, a year, obviously, um, and a city, you know, a location, a latitude and a longitude. So I'm getting really technical right now. Um, no, this but, is good. <laughs> <laughs> this sort of creates this visual snapshot and it looks like a 360-degree wheel, like a circle, and you can assume that you're in the centre of that circle at your exact moment of birth looking up at the sky and that's what your birth chart looks like. Why does that make me emotional? Like oh, that's <laughs> imagining, beautiful. oh, it's yeah. so sweet, but it makes sense, doesn't it? Well, and when you think about it, that moment in time and space that you were born, that is so unique to you. That will never happen again. And it's never happened before that moment that you were born. So it's very unique to you. I say it's as unique to you as your fingerprint. Oh, wow. That's so nice. Wow. And while we're kind of on the birth chart side of things, then I've heard about the big three. What what is the big three? Is this to do with birth charts? Yes. So within the birth chart, we have all of the planets, obviously, in their zodiac signs at the time of your birth. And then there's a mathematical relationship that everything is making to each other. Um, You know, so there's going to be the sun in a certain zodiac sign, the moon, then Mercury, Venus, Mars, all of the planets. But the big three... Now, I don't know who coined that term. I've been trying to find out, and um, if anyone out there knows, let me <laughs> let me in on it. But I have a bit of a cosmic beef to pick with it because I think it should actually be the big four. Oh, um, and the reason the why, yeah, the reason why is the big three refers to your apparent most influential planetary placements. Okay. So um, it refers to the sun and the moon sign and the rising sign. Now, they are all hugely important in your birth chart. There are going to be some planets and points in the chart that are going to hold more weight and more influence, and certainly the sun, moon, and rising sign do that. So that's all great, but I would add in the midheaven. Um, And the reason why I do that is because the midheaven is, it's actually a mathematical point, which is the same as the rising sign. That's a mathematical point. You're rising. Mm is the easternmost point on the horizon at your time of birth. And it's, yeah, so that's actually what it is. So it's not a celestial body. Um, It's that mathematical point based on your location and your time. That's why it's so important to have your time of birth when you're calculating your chart because if you don't, I mean, you can still do it. You can still see all the planetary placements. Um, but that time of birth is so sensitive and determines your rising sign, which then determines all of the house placements around the chart. Oh. And that's important because the house refers to um, the houses, refer to different areas of life. So that sort of tells you how the planets in their signs are going to play out in your life. 
Oh. Um, but I digress. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Midheaven, forgot, you've forgotten again. Um, so the Midheaven is a mathematical point much like the rising sign. It's the 10th house cusp, whereas the rising sign is the first house cusp. And what does and that the, mean? Yes, yeah, so the first house relates to your physical body, maybe your environment, your childhood, and how other people kind of perceive you. But it's really important. It's definitely an integral part of who we are. But it just might be a little bit more of the outer layer of who we are, where as our sun sign is more of our core character and our moon sign sort of shows the emotional landscape that we have, how we're likely oh, to react, wow. how we nurture and care um, for our children, what uh, our relationship is like with our mother. It's the divine feminine um, principle. So the moon sign's obviously really important. But yeah. the midheaven relates to not just our career, but it's like our vocation, our calling in life, um, what we want to do out there in the world at our highest potential. That's the midheaven. So I think that's pretty important, uh, right? Yeah, I was about to say, like, that definitely should be, you need to change the game, Tash, because, like, yeah. look at what you have done and, like, you are just so incredible and qualified and just, like, wow, Thank I think you. you should be the one to change the game here. It should well, be the I big might. four. You yeah, should. I'm, you know what? I'm actually like I'm trying so hard to finish my book. Um, oh, you got a book coming out? Well, it will be coming out, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, end of next year. Oh, my um, gosh. Yeah. How I've got to finish it first. I've got to finish it. That's okay. I've literally been doing this on and off, very on and off for the last five years. Yeah. Real, but, I mean – Good things take time. Yes, and you know it's a, it's evolved so much. It was just going to be um, about the basic uh, twelve zodiac signs, like the fundamental pillars of the zodiac, so important. But then it kind of evolved, and I start talking about other things, the moon and the moon signs and the nodes. Um, but I also have just included at the eleventh hour, literally added on another. 40,000 words. <laughs> Just a casual I know. 40,000 words. Because you know what? My daughter looked at it and she said, Mom, you have to have compatibility in there. You have oh, to yeah. like flesh that out. So I'm literally just, well, look, I shouldn't probably talk about this too much because who knows how this book is going to yeah. evolve. Yeah. May well, I'm thinking I've probably written two books here. <laughs> yeah. So sounds like it. It'll either be all together or it will be two books, but there will be compatibility between every sign with every other sign. So you can kind oh. of look up how you connect um, with every single sign in the zodiac. Your like a little like, guidebook. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yep. Handy. Yeah. That that sounds incredible. And you, yeah, like you said about the mid heavens, like that is so important. So maybe your book is going to be the one that changes the game because if that mid heaven isn't in the big three and it's all about our life purpose and what we're supposed to do, yeah. I just am like oh. maybe it just did. Whoever sort of came up with a concept, maybe they didn't think big four sounded very good. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, you know, it needs to be there because it is important. Astro Tash said it here first. That's right. <laughs> and so tell us, how can we 
to the best of our ability and kind of use, I guess, to our advantage, the full moon and the new moon when it comes to manifesting or cleansing our crystals or meditating, whatever it is that we want to do. Oh, yes. So this is a prime example of how we can use astrology and the lunar phases in particular to manifest and bring you know, things into being and to set our intentions and to write affirmations. Mm. So generally speaking, you know, the lunar cycle starts with the new moon phase and then it culminates at the full moon phase and then it kind of wraps up and it heads into the waning phase until the next new moon. So with the new moon, um, and there are eight phases of the moon, by the way, sort of through that whole entire cycle. So with the new moon, I really feel that new moons are best used for intention setting rather than manifesting because when you think about it, it's the lunar cycle is just beginning to begin. Like it's just beginning to illuminate. Um, The moon's light is growing. I see. Um, It's beginning that waning phase. So you want to be planting those seeds of intention as the moon is beginning that new cycle. Kind of think of it like a little plant. Um, You're planting that seed at the new moon and you're setting those intentions on that phase. As the uh, waxing phase progresses, I think that's a really good time to start um, working on the project, start you know, attempting to bring it into being, not pushing it though. Um, Maybe you want to start telling people about it as the uh, waxing phase is developing because you know how um, some people say, oh, you want to put it out there in the universe, an idea that you have so that you are accountable and so that, you know, the universe hears you and wants to manifest your ideas or, or your intentions. Well, that is true, but it does depend on the lunar phase because also in contradiction to that idea is keeping things to yourself, you know, until it's ready, until your idea or even if you're in a new relationship, you know, you might want to tell, not want to tell people about that too soon because you want to give it a chance to literally kind of grow some roots, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, so this can be um, aligned with the lunar phases. So you might want to start telling people as that moon is heading, culminating towards that full moon phase. And that is really the time when a project or a relationship is blossoming into its full potential. Because when you think about it, the moon is fully illuminated, right? So it's it's fully out there. So that is a good time to expect your project to be at its peak. Um, and of course, you know, life goes in cycles, yeah. um, relationships move in cycles and the moon moves in cycles. So it's not that simplified. Um, and it can be perhaps you've planted that seed of intention and started something on a new moon six months ago. Yeah, okay. Six or seven months later, or however is right for you, um, that project or relationship or idea comes to full fruition in another full moon phase. So it doesn't necessarily have to be within that one phase, I believe. 
And then, yeah. you know, as the moon starts to wane, we have you know, the, other, the other phases where perhaps an idea or a relationship is kind of um, dying out. Mm. Um, and I think the balsamic phase of the, of the moon is really worth talking about because that is the phase just prior to the new moon. And I feel that that phase can often be about grieving something that didn't come to pass. Right. So it's about looking back at the past and acquiring the wisdom um, from your experience and um, and really thinking about how you want to apply that in the next upcoming new moon phase. So it's all very wow. cyclic. Yeah. Yeah, there's so much more to it that, like, I'm excited to kind of take a bit more advantage of because, yeah, I, I knew that there was, you know, certain things you wanted to do on new moon and full moon and whatever, but this, yeah. what was the other moon just prior to the the balsamic moon, phase balsamic. of the moon just prior? Yeah, Because that and, makes sense, doesn't it? Because each month we kind of do go through so much up and down. I guess the law of rhythm as well is taking us through these seasons and cycles as yes. astrology is and as the moon is. So it just makes sense and it's so nice to – also feel confident in the fact that when we're going through these things or when we're feeling down or up or here there and everywhere we're like well there's actually some stuff moving up there like there's things happening and we're all connected you know we're working in synergy with with the cosmos we are not separate yeah. um, I think it's so ignorant um, and arrogant to think that we are separate from what's out there and yeah. um you know, I think the Gen Z and millennials are starting to really awaken to this this concept, and yeah. hopefully, humanity is moving in that direction where we're feeling that connection and we're we're honouring it more so. Um, with regards to manifesting, though, that yeah. is beautiful to do on the full moon phase. Okay, so if yeah. you've got any of your favourite manifesting rituals, um, practice that on the full moon. But here's a little disclaimer: don't do it on an eclipse. Oh, okay. Yes. So when do eclipses happen? Yeah. So, um, well, they happen when like the sun and the moon are eclipsing each other, depending on whether it's a solar eclipse or a lunar eclipse. Okay. Um, and because some of the light of the sun or the moon um, is, you know, partially or totally obscured, then this is when information can be kind of lost in translation oh. and it's just it's just historically a time it's discombobulating it's a time that feels erratic the energy is really unpredictable and mm. unstable so you don't want to be like when you're manifesting you're basically commune, communing with the universe saying hey here's what I'd like to bring into being yeah. so you definitely want that message to be coming across loud and clear without any misinterpretation yeah. Um, and when there's an eclipse, you know, anything could happen. So you, you just kind of don't go there. And the same goes for crystal cleansing and charging. I was going to ask um, this. Okay, tell us. <laughs> yeah, yes, never on an eclipse. And okay. sometimes, you know, it also depends, like I'm talking very generally here, but it depends on the like the sign of the of the full moon or new moon um, and what else is going on in the cosmos at that mm. moment. So you can draw up a chart of the actual full moon peak um, okay. and the same with the new moon because a chart is any moment in time and space. So if I look at a chart and I see 
like I might see a Pisces full moon that's an eclipse um, with Mercury in retrograde at the same time. I'm not going to be wanting to send messages out because Mercury rules communication and information, so that's right. going to double up the the mishaps and the misunderstandings. Okay. Um, so it does, you know, you can kind of unravel the astrology if you know your astrology to really pick the best full moons, the best new moons yeah. to manifest and set your intentions on. Okay, and I should say, I know I'll say this at the end anyway, but my community, you guys should follow AstroTash on Instagram because you're constantly kind of giving this information out yeah. when it's kind of happening, aren't you? So that's like yeah. a good reminder that those of us who aren't really aware of when this is all happening, follow Tash on Instagram because I'm forever waiting for your stories. Like, tell Thank me now, you. what now? <laughs> and what is like, okay, let's say the full moon has come around. Mm-hmm. What what do you do to manifest? I'd love to hear your little routine. I love a vision board because I'm uh, really yeah. visual. Yeah. So I do love a vision board. I mean, my daughter, she tried to teach me how to do it like one digitally. And I know that's oh, yes. the, the mood board sort of thing. Like, <laughs> But I do like things that I've got Mercury and Taurus conjunct Saturn in Taurus. So I'm really, um, yeah, I like tangible stuff. I yeah, like to be able okay. to see and feel it. And I like that process of, you know, maybe cutting things out and yes. popping them on the board and the actual physical process of, of that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I do love vision boarding. I mean, that can sort of cross over into intention setting as well. Some yeah, things, I think some, yeah. some rituals um, can do that. And I do, I love to get my crystals out on the right type of full moon because I have okay. so many beautiful crystals and my babies. Yes. Um, and can I say when Venus is in, um, when she's really strong during a full moon, that's a beautiful time to cleanse your rose quartz, for example, oh, because the hey. themes of Venus and the rose quartz align because Venus is the love planet amongst other things. And rose quartz can be about, well, I think it's primarily about self-love, but it's, you know, yeah. it's about love in general. Yeah, um, and, and empathy so, yeah. and kindness and, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So when Venus is, for example, in the sign of her rulership, so if Venus is in um, Libra or Taurus and if she's making a beautiful connection to another really um, uplifting planet such as Jupiter, for example, at the time of that full moon and everything looks like it's all in alignment, I'm like, yes, let's get the rose quartz <sighs> out. Okay. Wow. (laughs) Wow. There's so much to know. This is so exciting. And so you did say before that you will get your crystals out when it's like a, I don't know if you use the word good full moon, but like the full So how do we know when this is? Yeah, well, that sort of takes a bit of astrological know-how, I suppose. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. You need to read the chart of, okay. of that lunar phase. Um, that is what I do every every month. Um, when there's a new and a full moon, unless there is a second full moon in the month, which is rare, and that's called a blue moon. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So every month I do do a uh, blog on the new moon and on the full moon. That's sort of, yeah, I love oh, doing perfect. that. That's my thing. And I might discuss the, you know, the basic trends and themes to be used at that time. Okay, cool. So I'll link your blog as well, because this is all such good information, but I'm already feeling like while I'm talking to you, I want to write some things down because it's just such good information. So no, oh, this thank is you. Yeah, oh, I, post, amazing. I post those new and full moons. I pop them up on the blog, but I, I write them up in the um, 
in my Insta as well. Okay, great. Yeah. All right. Every, every month. Yeah. Oh, yay. Okay. And can I just and, say, oh, yeah. can I just say, sorry, I'm like so excited. No. Um, good. <laughs> um, just want to let people know as well, what, now that we're talking about the lunar phases, the moon phases, the moon phase that you were born under actually contributes a lot to your personality type. Okay. And it's sort of very telling about your soul path as well. Yeah, so and if you were born um, during a new moon, for example, yeah. the new moon people tend to be quite wide-eyed, enthusiastic, believing that anything is possible. Um, people born during a full moon tend to have perceptions that are fully illuminated. They see things as they really are. They see people as they really are. Uh-huh. People born in the waning phase of the moon, like the third quarter and the balsamic phase of the moon, they make excellent psychologists, caretakers. They have this, uh, like a sp- uh, they're spiritually streetwise and they have a sensitivity and empathy and receptivity to other people that is just, you know, impossible to beat so the lunar phase you were born under you know really really adds to who you are it's really important wow and is this all part of a birth chart well you can see that in the birth chart yeah right. because you and do can you do see these? um I do yes I'm not okay. taking new clients at the moment but I'm sort of gonna probably open that up by Ooh. appointment Okay. At some stage yeah. soon, I've just got to get through this book and <laughs> yes, fair, <laughs> fair, fair, fair. Yeah. But um, but yes, you can. So you can see, and that is determined by the distance between the sun and the moon in your chart. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. Yes. And then, if in the meantime people do want to find out what their big three or let's say big four is, <laughs> yes. is this something they can jump online and find out? Yes, they can. If they look, if they have their chart calculated and gosh, I used to offer this free service, but the service provider went belly up and I'm unable to provide at this stage. But here's another little, little coup. Um, I am having one made for myself. So it'll be hopefully Australian first. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. I'm so, so excited. So I just want people to be able to come somewhere where they where they trust and somewhere Australian like um in the meantime people can go to I think astrology.com have one yeah um and you know those big kind of American brands yeah but But I see what you're saying like I would love to go to well someone as knowledgeable as you someone that I trust and know that does this for a passion not just for you know money or whatever it is and Australian like that is like I mean it just feels different. It feels more close to home. So this is so exciting. Yeah. And then I just want them to be able to calculate their birth chart, understand their basic placements. So Mm. hopefully it'll have sort of a list underneath so people can, you know, they can't read the birth chart, but they'll have the beautiful visual of their little sky map at the time of their birth. And then underneath have all the planetary placements so that they're able to follow on, um, you know, when I'm talking on Insta or wherever, they're able to say, okay, well, you know, my Venus is in Gemini and that's what this means or this is really going to um, impact me um, because it's aligning with my natal chart placement. 
Yeah. yeah, cool. Oh, how exciting. <laughs> so um, when when we are in a certain mood, say, and others might seem to be in a similar mood and we all kind of blame it on the moon, is this, is this, can we do this or is that just us blaming something externally? Like, is this a thing? <laughs> oh, look, um, I do it. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, if, if you do it. Totally. I mean, because that's the whole thing about astrology. It doesn't make us do things though. So I, I you know, I have to say you can't really shirk your responsibility um, yeah. for your own behavior and your own choices, but you can certainly look at the astrology or what the moon is doing and say, oh, you know, it's a full moon. That's why I'm cranky or I, I'm having trouble sleeping. And then hopefully that awareness will help you to manage that situation um, and, and work with it, work with yourself and your own moods. Oh, that's the validation that I wanted because (laughs) I do feel quite connected to, you know, the moon and the sun and the stars and whatever is going on up there. Even though I don't know too much about it, I feel very connected and gosh, sometimes my moods just kind of go with it. And I, I know that it's connected, but in what you said is true. Like we can't blame things that we actually go and do. <laughs> That's probably on us. But yeah, the general mm. moods and the lack of sleep or the feeling really agitated, it's yeah. nice to know that that is actually all kind of linked. Definitely. And even beyond the lunar phases, um, just looking at things that are happening and triggering your chart and the planetary transits that actually last for some time, they can last for months or even years. Mm. For example, your Saturn return. You know, oh that, my gosh, yes. Tell yeah. us about that because yes. I'm nearly turning 30 and oh is it something gosh. that happens around then, I heard? It is. Yes, okay. it does. Um, so Saturn takes about 29 years roughly to do one orbit around the sun. So it therefore mm-hmm. takes the same amount of time to make one cycle through your chart and come back to the place that it was in at your time of birth. And what that does, and you will feel this a year before and a year after the actual trigger date. Okay. Um, So it's sort of a culminating energy and then a falling away energy. And that energy can be really tough. Mm. It can be tough because Saturn is a planet that's all about limitation, restriction, hard work, dedication, commitment. Mm. Um, But I think that you can really work this to your advantage if you use that energy to step up to the plate, you know, but and you have your first Saturn return, obviously, around about the age of 29, mm-hmm. and then, you know, the second Saturn return happens about 29 years after that yeah. and so on. Um, so the first Saturn return, you often find that that's when people are taking out a mortgage, they're getting married, you know, you hear all this or they're having big breakups because right. Saturn's kind of a tough task taskmaster where it steps in and it says hey this is not your forever person this is not your forever relationship this needs to go because Mm. you're now heading in a more grown-up direction um and and it kind of gets rid of that person and that situation for you and we can if we hang on and we cling on to what's not really meant for our future that's when things can get a little bit tough around our Saturn return. But if we embrace it and we understand it, then we can kind of 
grow up with Saturn supporting us and understanding that this is all in our long-term best interests. And if you're like a party person and you're in your late 20s, um, then, yeah, you might have some trouble with a Saturn return. <laughs> ah, I don't want to grow up. This is too much fun. But Sat- like Saturn's not a lot of fun. Um, but it is, you know, it can support you in that period of, of growth and personal evolution. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I have definitely in the last year felt a lot of like kind of change and I've wanted to resist it, but then I have tried very hard to, you know, let go and trust. And you're right, like when I do let go and trust, instead of holding on to that resistance, everything seems to kind of flow and evolve. But when I'm resisting, it's like stagnant and stuck and feels yucky. Yes. Well, you're very aware too. So it's going to be easier for someone who's self-aware and perhaps has some knowledge about using spiritual tools or astrology. Mm. Um, It's going to be easier. So I think that's, you know, it's great that a lot of um, millennials and, and young people are, you know, learning more about astrology because it can really help in that process yeah yeah yeah. and then what about oh sorry you go I was just going to say like it doesn't always have to be difficult with Saturn it again it depends on the person's individual chart but it could look something like um you know it could be a breakup which that would be awful sometimes (laughs) sometimes not um but it could also be about getting a promotion you know and stepping Mm. up to a new job that that affords you more responsibility Yeah, cool. And then so we've talked about Saturn return. What about Mercury retrograde? Like I feel (laughs) like so many people talk about it but they don't actually know what it is or how it's affecting them or when it happens. So tell us. And should we be afraid? (laughs) (laughs) Be afraid. Be very afraid. No, no, no. It's, um, It's definitely not as dire as everyone makes out. Poor old Mercury retrograde has really gotten a bad rap. That said... It can be damn frustrating. Uh It can be super frustrating because Mercury rules communication, information, technology, movement, so travel as well. And when the planet is moving backwards, and by the way, it doesn't actually move backwards, that is as viewed from our vantage point here on Earth. So it's kind of an optical illusion. But still, Uh the energetic effect is the same because it's affecting us here on Earth and we are perceiving that planet as moving backwards. Um, Okay. So when that happens, communication and all of those things that Mercury represents in astrology is not flowing forward freely. Mm. It's going backwards. So if we try to push forward with our intention in those areas, we're going to come up against some obstacles, some frustrations, because we're going against the cosmic grain. Okay. But you can actually use it to your advantage because really all it is is the energy is going inward. So if you stop trying to push forward during that retrograde period and you go inward, it can be fantastically supportive for those types of things. Like we've got a Mercury retrograde coming up in Virgo, uh, I think, oh, don't quote me on the date, I think it's August 24 until September 16 um, off the top of my head. And we'll be in Virgo. Now I'm looking forward to this because, and I did this for the last Mercury retrograde, I went underground I became a little hermit and I just wrote my book so Mm. you know that is 
directing that energy inward. If you've got cupboards you need to declutter, you know, you want to just stay home and clean out your wardrobe, do it on a Mercury retrograde. That's fantastic. So you can, yeah. And, you know, even, even like coming up with some ideas and reflecting and, and rethinking um, your path forward is really supported by Mercury's retrograde. And then when, um, it, it, the retrograde period ends and Mercury starts to go forward again, that's kind of like the post-retrograde. There's the pre-shadow, the post-shadow, and it gets all a little bit complicated. But mm. I do believe that the couple of weeks on either side of the retrograde, which is known as the shadow periods, they can be used as well. Like the pre-shadow period is great to start taking um, notes on what the retrograde will bring and how you can best use it. It's like Mm -hmm. introducing it. And then the post-retrograde is sort of saying, okay, here's how you can implement everything that you learnt during that period. Oh, my gosh. You are just (laughs) full of so much magical knowledge. I'm like so inspired to take more advantage of this now. Yes. Because I never have. And I'm excited. And I'm also excited to have a refreshing outlook on Mercury Retrograde from you because – I guess I did resist it and I blamed it for a lot of stuff as well. But I am always a person who is trying to push forward and be productive. Mm. So it's a really nice reminder to just come back to yourself. And would you say that during that time, you know, of coming inward as well, that like meditation and journaling would be quite powerful? Absolutely beautiful. Perfect to do when Mercury's in retrograde. Yes. Okay. If Venus happens to be in retrograde at the same time, you know, you could meditate on your love goals mm. and your financial goals and financial plans because okay. Venus rules love and money. So, you know, there are ways where you can layer up the influences yeah. to really use them for your advantage. And am I right in saying that you're kind of during this time, you're gathering information and you're turning inward and you're trying to connect with yourself, but you're not necessarily then going to go and take action until after the retrograde is over. You got it. Okay. I got (laughs) it. Yes. So it's about going inward, uh, being pensive, um, contemplating, meditating, creating, you know, going within, in your mind, into your heart. Um, in Venus retrogrades case. Venus is in retrograde at the moment, um, by the way. Yes, which is much more rare than Mercury's retrograde because Mercury actually goes retrograde about three to four times a year for about three weeks at a time. So when you think about it, you know, and this is why I don't say, oh, you don't have to take the pre pre and the post-shadow periods too seriously. They're not about not doing anything and not communicating at all Mm. because if you did that, we'd literally have about 50% of the year where we're kind of stuck and not moving forward. Yes, exactly. And that's crazy. Yeah, Um, yeah. 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 And what happened, like, say, if you personally did have, if you were faced with, like, a decision you had to make or something like that during the retrograde, would you be inclined to hold off and wait Oh, yeah, that's, you know, because it's really hard because life happens. Yeah, life gets in the way. (laughs) It does. It does. I mean, we can try and plan and we can try our best to work within the cycles. But I'm a big believer in trusting the process and trusting the universe. And if something comes up like a contract that you have to sign, that is typically not something you want to do on a Mercury retrograde, right? Because it's information, negotiations, um, and that's not supported during the retrograde period. But 
sometimes you have to sign that contract in that period. So, you know, I give it over to the universe and I say, well, if it must be done, it must be done. And perhaps this is something that isn't meant to last forever or it's something that I do need to revisit later on down the track because it's not the end of the world. It doesn't mean that, you know, things are going to absolutely blow up in your face, but it might just mean that if you sign that contract, um, you might've missed an important detail, which you have to go over and redo later on down the track. Yeah. Um, or maybe come the next retrograde period, because again, we're working in cycles. Mm. Um, it's something that, that does fall away Mm. and that's okay too. I love your advice because it's magical, but it's realistic as well. You know, it's I, I try to give advice that's um, empowering because I believe that that's what astrology is and, and therein lies the beauty of astrology. I mean, my yeah. mum's a clairvoyant. and oh, I've, Yeah, and I, I've seen some psychics in my time and I love that because sometimes we just want to know. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. But other times... It's good to not know. It's good to understand the cosmic weather so we can then make our own choices and direct our own lives. And that is empowering. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Yeah. And what about right now? Is there any major planetary activity kind of happening that we should be aware about? Yes, I'd probably say Venus retrograde would be something to be aware uh-huh. of. Okay. Um, that's a pretty big deal because Venus only goes retrograde once every 18 months, mm. but she only retrogrades through the same zodiac sign once every eight years. Oh, wow. So this time she's retrograding through Leo. Mm-hmm. And uh, the last time she did that was back in uh, 2015. Oh, okay. So it's inter- if you look back at that time in your life, 2015, what was happening around then because those themes could be resurf- resurfacing this time around and, you know, you might be able to have a little do-over or learn, bring some wisdom in from that time to apply to this time. Most likely it's got to do with love or money. I think when it's in Leo it can often have to do with self-promotion Oh. And and your appearance, you know, how you're putting yourself out there. So when Venus is in retrograde, some of us might be feeling, particularly if you've got a Leo rising, you know, or a natal Venus in Leo, again, depends yeah. a little bit on your chart, but some of us might be feeling a little bit like, you know, picking our appearance to pieces. And then if you know mm. that Venus is in retrograde in Leo and that could be a possibility, this is where you can say, okay, I'm going to be a little bit kinder to myself here. Yeah, that's yeah. I love that. Yeah, just that reassurance yeah. that it's okay. There's a reason you're feeling this way. Yeah. Yes, and it helps to know the end date as well. Yeah, <laughs> um, when's that? <laughs> it's uh, again off the top of my head, September the fourth. September fourth. Okay, so it's kind of a long one. It's a long one. Yes, it is. It is because she's a little bit more rare, so she's going to okay. stick around for a, a, a bit longer to make her presence felt. Fair um, enough. Also, it is a beautiful time to reflect on your love goals and your relationship goals. And that's whether you're single or whether you're in a relationship. You know, it can be like looking at your partner and thinking, okay, how how can I maximize this connection? How can I deepen this connection? If you're single, what type of partner do I really want to bring in? Like maybe after this retrograde, I'm going to go for someone a little bit out of the box or someone a bit different to my typical type. 
mm. who um, possibly hasn't been making the grade. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and your financial goals as well. It's a good time to kind of review the budget, again, going within and kind of being yeah. quiet about it and, um, yeah, d- just coming up with different ideas and different thought processes and different beliefs perhaps around love and money and your appearance and your self-promotion. You know, um, you might be thinking to yourself, how can I put myself out there and promote myself in the Mm -hmm. world in new and improved ways? So Venus's retrograde in Leo is a really good time to do that. Mm. But again, not to necessarily act on it until after the retrograde period has wrapped up. Oh, I love, I love all this. I'm so excited and inspired. Oh, thank you, Tash. Honestly, your wisdom is just incredible. Oh, darling. And can I say that I love your sun and moon earrings. Oh, these are actually pass around the smile, but I stopped selling them just after like a few years of selling them in with the hope to do something new and I haven't come out with any new jewellery. So that's, Please this, do. Is, this is a sign. <laughs> Thank you. This is a sign that I needed and the push that I needed. Oh, um, my gosh. So and I'll I've go just got, inward. <laughs> yes, go inward. I've just got the goosebumps. And, you know, what I was saying about Venus and, and ruling the appearance, I mean, this is perfect about jewellery yes. and adornment. It's very Leo. It's very Venus. So, so this true. Be, you could just get into your little design mode and come up with something brilliant and then put it into action um, oh, after okay. September 4. Yeah. Oh, I will. Thank you. I'm going to turn inward and get planning because you're right. It's something I've definitely wanted to do and I'm obsessed with these earrings and so many of my community are as well and they have them, but then I kind of just had this gut feeling to stop them. I don't know why, but uh-huh. making room for new, I guess. Yes, and that's fine. So maybe another idea will blossom. Yeah. yeah. And so I like to end my guest podcast. I haven't even told you this yet, so this okay. is a bit of a surprise. Um pulling a card from my new deck, which actually matches your background at the moment, if anyone's watching on video. Um, so I'm just going to shuffle oh, and are just we on trust. video? We are on video. <laughs> we are. And you look beautiful. <laughs> I am going to shuffle my cards and just trust that the right card for us yes. is going to come out and then we'll just Amazing. end our little chat okay. on this card. It's taking its time, but I've got to trust. <laughs> I'm not going to pull it until oh one has oh it's turned oh this is Ooh. interesting okay so see here we got the perspective card oh my god I've just realized what she's holding she's holding my two necklaces that I that my pass around the smile necklaces <gasps> is that the, that's the one I've got <laughs> that's the one you have Look and I that. love that so much and we were just yeah. talking about this. <laughs> Oh and that's an affirma- that is a confirmation for you and your jewellery. It is. Yes. That is such a sign. Yes. So the card says, is this situation worth dwelling on any further? Changing your perspective has the power to change your experiences. That is beautiful. Yes. Yeah. What is yes. this? Yeah. Like how's when we have different perspectives on different things kind of match in with the astrology side of things? Well, again, I think it's empowering us to um, to see the astrology according to our own experience and we can yeah. layer that up with what's going on because the astrology is going to affect one person in one way but it might affect another person in a slightly different way. So the energy and the theme can be the same but the experience is 
unique. I love, yes. Yeah, yeah so maybe that- maybe that's about like adopting your own perspective for your own experience and not yeah. sort of lumping yourself in with everybody else's experience. Yeah, um, that is, that's so perfect. And I think too, just as a collective message to end this episode, just coming inward and thinking, is there a situation that you have been dwelling over that is feeling yucky, stagnant, old, you know, that you are just wanting to kind of bring up, acknowledge, and then hopefully by September 4th release. So maybe that's a sign as well. Yes. Yes. The retrograde is supporting the inward journey and then emerging with a fresh new perspective. Oh, I love, I love it. it. I knew it was going to match in perfectly. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Like the actual necklaces there. It's I a beautiful card. I cannot believe that we did. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, Tash, please tell my community where they can find you and your incredible podcast, the Astrology Coach podcast as well. I'll link it all, but tell us now where to best find you. Yes, amazing. Um, They can find the podcast pretty much anywhere where they listen to their podcasts. And it's really about a relatable um, weekly and weekend forecast for people to follow on. It's a few minutes long, so you can do it while you're driving in your car on the way to work or whatever. Um, They can also find me on Instagram at astrotash. And yeah, I look forward to, you know, welcoming whoever would like to learn a little bit more about astrology. That's what I'm there for. Oh, how amazing. Thank you so much for such an inspiring and educational chat. And again, just keeping your advice so magical yet relatable. It's, I feel like that's hard to achieve and you do it so effortlessly. So thank you so much, Tash. Thank you so, so much. Beautiful to see you. You too. (laughs) 